2: Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: You're listening to Math & Magic, a production of iHeartRadio.
3: I've always loved to be someone who is underestimated and proves people wrong. I've just known from a very young age that I have had that in me, and I think that was definitely instilled in me from my grandfather and my father, because they always really instilled that hard work ethic in me and my whole family.
4: Hi, I'm Bob Pittman, and welcome to this episode of Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. In this episode, we have a guest who embodies the new world and tools of marketing. As a matter of fact, she probably invented or pioneered many of them. She's a business person and CEO who has product lines that have spanned handbags, jewelry, skincare, fragrances, and more, and have generated billions in sales. She has starred in her own TV shows, hosted Saturday Night Live, produced, and been the subject of documentaries. She's had a hit single on her debut album as a music artist, and she is one of the top women DJs, including a multi-season residency in Ibiza. She's a best-selling author. She's an advocate and activist. She's an investor, podcaster, which she does with us here at High Heart. And behind all this success, she's a brand expert like no other and is the OG of the hottest new category of marketing, influencers. She's Paris Hilton. Paris was born into the Hilton world in New York, grew up in L.A., and finished up in New York City. She's always been on the cutting edge, self-described tech geek, early on crypto and NFTs, even the metaverse. She has a massive fan army, the Little Hiltons. Her sister claims she is allergic to relaxing. And best of all, she's a really nice person. Paris, welcome.
3: Thank you. What a lovely introduction.
4: (laughs) Before we jump into all the fun topics, I'd like to do you in 60 seconds. You ready to go? Yes. Salty or sweet? Sweet. Instagram or TikTok? TikTok. Podcast or videos?
3: Podcast.
4: Pop music or EDM?
3: Pop music.
4: Night in or going out? Night in. Call, text, or DM? Text. Tracksuit or dress? Tracksuit. New York City or L.A.? L.A. Cook or eat out? Cook. Reality TV or scripted? Reality TV. Okay, it's about to get harder. Favorite McDonald's order?
3: Large French fries with sweet and sour sauce. And strawberry milkshake mixed with chocolate.
4: (laughs) Favorite place to travel?
3: Burning Man.
4: Secret talent? Ice hockey. Proudest accomplishment?
3: My baby boy, Phoenix.
4: And finally, what's something you can't live without?
3: My husband, Carter.
4: So let's jump in. You are the OG of influencers. Back when you hit the scene as an influencer, no one knew there was a category called influencers. Today, it's one of the hottest areas of marketing. So take us back to the origin story. How did you start down this path? What did you see that others were missing?
3: I just saw the value in having a personal brand. I think it maybe just came from being brought up in the Hilton family and in the hotel business and seeing that as a brand and then realizing that I could actually turn myself into a personal brand.
4: How did you start on that path? What was the first step that you began?
3: Well, when I moved to New York City, before that, I'd lived a very sheltered life. But then all of a sudden, I started getting invited to all these premieres and events, and people started sending me products. And then all of a sudden, they were paying me to wear these products, and the products were selling out. So I just realized there was a power in that. You know, This was way back before there was a name for being an influencer. There was no social media. This was more the traditional media. And then all of a sudden I started getting paid to go to parties. And then I parlayed that into a huge business. And then from there, the simple life. And then the rest is history.
4: <laughs> At what point along the way do you think it sort of became a category of marketing called influencers?
3: I think when people saw what I was doing and what I was creating... That started influencing a lot of others to follow in my footsteps. And then, of course, when social media came along, that's when everybody had it at their fingertips, where if you had a phone and a social media platform and that technology, you could actually parlay that into building a business.
4: So with TikTok in the news, and by the way, all of social, it's getting a lot of scrutiny. How do you see social today? And where do you think it's going with the fans?
3: I love it because I love being in contact with all my fans. My fans call themselves my Little Hiltons and they're all around the world. So I love that I'm able to connect with them and share my life. And I think there's just so many positives about it. Just being able to not only connect with others, but market your businesses or what you're interested in, or if you have you know a certain point of view about what's happening in the world or just having your own platform to have your own voice as well. And then obviously there's the negative parts, the online trolls, people coming in and doing the mean comments and being toxic. And just, I don't know, I can't even imagine being a a teenage girl and just having to deal with all the pressures that come with social media. So I think there's definitely the bad and good, but I always try to see the good in things.
4: Social media. You were very early on it. What did you think it was in the early days? And how does it compare to what it is today? Well,
3: it's definitely changed so much because so many different technologies are coming out every single day. Um, So in the beginning, it was more just about showing my life and all the fun things that were happening and all the beautiful outfits I was wearing and now it's about my business about my advocacy work and really getting my message out there connecting with my fans and just being able to have my own voice and my own platform because i felt that the media really has controlled the narrative on me for so many years and now with having just all my social media platforms i feel that i can finally take control of my narrative myself
4: so let's let's jump to brands As marketers, a brand is top of the pyramid. Uh, Through all your businesses and ventures and across decades, you've been building the Paris brand. Did you start with a plan?
3: What I had went through as a teenager, I made a promise to myself that I was gonna work so hard and become so successful that nobody would ever be able to control me or tell me what to do ever again. And then when I was living in New York, I had an idea that I wanted to develop a perfume. And that was the first part of my business. And then when I got The Simple Life and it premiered with 13 and a half million viewers, I thought to myself, I could actually use this platform to create my own business empire. And now just launched my 29th fragrance and we're working on the 30th right now.
4: Congratulations. Thank you. So let's look at the brands, Paris brand. How do you decide what fits the brand and what doesn't fit the brand?
3: What's fun with my brand is that I get to do everything that I love. And that was one of the reasons that we created 11.11 Media because I have just so many different business verticals of what I do. Um, Everything from podcasting to music to film, television, building products, the metaverse. Um, So for me, I feel that my brand has so many sides to it, whether it be the music side or more of the business side. But my brand has definitely evolved. You know, it all started with the character that I built for The Simple Life, which kind of playing on that blonde stereotype persona. And now ever since my documentary, and especially now with my new memoir, people now see me as a businesswoman and an advocate and everything else that I've built. So it's definitely is evolved and changed. And that just happens in life when you grow and now being a wife and a mother as well.
4: So when you talk to advertisers and business partners, is there a simple statement you have about articulating what the brand is?
3: My brand is all about pop culture. And when we work with other brands or businesses, it's about inserting them into pop culture. and making iconic moments. I love that I'm able to work with so many different types of brands because of all of my my lifestyle and what I do for travel and for business and for just even with all my legislation work. There's just so many different deals and kind of brands coming in all the time. So my team and I are always trying to make decisions because there's just not enough time in the year to fit everything. And plus, I'm saying no a lot more than I used to just because... Being a mom and wanting to spend more time with the phoenix
4: so let's jump to adhd you've described that as your superpower how would you describe yourself versus a non-adhd person and how is it your superpower
3: for me i do see it as a superpower and i feel that a lot of my career and what i've done in life and my path has been because of it because when you have adhd it's like your brain Is moving as fast as a Ferrari engine, but it has like bicycle brakes. So that's why I've always been a risk taker and an innovator and a pioneer. I think that comes from my ADHD as well as being an Aquarius and just like a naturally creative person. But I think the hard part about it is just being able to focus. Because there's just so many things always happening in my world.
4: You know, when you look at the creative community, it probably has a disproportionate share of ADHD people. Do you think that is linked to creativity and, and, and why?
3: I definitely do. And especially after watching the documentary, The Disruptors, just I had no idea just how many people had ADHD. And it was just incredible to see just so many brilliant businessmen and women who I've looked up to for so long and just to see that, They all had this. And I think that we just think in different ways, thinking outside of the box. I think that's something that's really a good trait to have, especially in the industry that we're in.
4: So let's go to you as a business person. Your first job was selling lemonade and keychains in Malibu. Today, you're CEO of a sprawling Paris Hilton empire. At what point did you begin to think of yourself as someone with strong business skills?
3: Ever since I was a little girl, like you were just saying with the lemonade, my sister and I, we lived in the Malibu colony during the summer and we would set up this lemonade stand. I would just like sell all these things to all the neighbors. And then when I moved to New York and just started having meetings with people and started developing my first perfume and then my clothing line and my purse brand and shoes and all of that, I just would be in these boardrooms with people and they wouldn't know what to expect. And I've always loved to be someone who is underestimated and proves people wrong. I've just known from a very young age that I have had that in me. And I think that was definitely instilled in me from my grandfather and my father, because they always really instilled that hard work ethic in me and my whole family.
4: Well, you probably along the way especially as you were beginning, had to have people say, no, 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 that's not going to work. How did you deal with that kind of of pushback on uh, your ideas and where you wanted to go?
3: When The Simple Life, when I got offered that by Fox, they called and my family, everyone was saying no. Everyone on my team was like, no, that's not a good idea because there was no reality shows on TV to really, you know, this was the first of its kind. So people um, told me not to do it, but I didn't listen. And I'm so happy that I didn't listen in that instance because I was right. And now The Simple Life is, you know, that created a whole new genre of television, of celebrity, and with something that'll be iconic and in pop culture forever. So I feel with me, I always know when I'm right. And some people just don't understand it. But again, I love proving them wrong. <laughs>
4: From this experience, what, what advice can you give to others that are going through the same thing, trying to build into their business career?
3: My advice is to not listen to the people who are saying no to you and doing what you really believe in and what you're passionate about. People who are like that are the ones who become legends, so just try to do what you love and be a good person. And I feel like what you put out into the world definitely comes back to you. I really believe in karma.
4: More on math and magic right after this quick break.
0: My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead.
2: Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. Oracle.com slash strategic.
1: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
4: Welcome back to Math & Magic. Let's hear more from my conversation with Paris Hilton. So let's jump to music. Your debut album came out in 2006, Paris. The first single, Stars Are Blind, was on the charts for 12 weeks and rose into the top 20. Where did the idea come from and how did you do it?
3: I've always loved music. I've been playing the piano and the violin since I was a little girl. And I've always loved to sing and someone just called me one day like, do you want to do some music? And I went in the studio with my friends and started writing and then Jimmy Iovine and I had a meeting and then he played me Stars Are Blind. I loved it and recorded it and then just started working on my entire album. And now I am in the studio working on my second album and writing music and producing and I've been touring around the world DJing.
4: When we're talking about being the DJ, you made your debut as a DJ in 2012. You had a five-year residency in Ibiza, the mecca of DJs. You've won a ton of awards, including Best Female DJ Award from the French youth station NRJ. You've released more music. You've hopped around the world as a DJ. How do you think about your interest in this and how did you develop the DJ skills, which are clearly different than being a, a, a performing artist as well?
3: So the first time that I wanted to become a DJ was when I was at Amnesia, which is this amazing club in Ibiza at their phone party. And I was looking up at the DJ booth and I just said to my friend, one day I'm going to be up there. Like That just looks incredible just to be orchestrating the whole party and just all the love and energy and it just seemed like it was just so magical. Then I was back in LA and my agents called me and they said, we just got an offer for you to close the show for J-Lo at this huge music festival for 30,000 people. And uh, would you want to perform? I was like, well, I'm too shy to do that. It's like in two weeks, I'm not gonna have time to rehearse. They're like, well, how about DJing? it? And I had never DJed in my life before. So I was like, okay. So they introduced me to Mike Henderson, um, DJ Endo. And then we just started every day working together for six months, three hours a day, just learning everything there was to learn about it. Now playing Tomorrowland and the biggest music festivals around the world, and it's just incredible. There's nothing like that thing of being up on the stage in front of hundreds of thousands of people and everyone just dancing and smiling and screaming and just having the best time. It just feels like you're on top of the world.
4: So although it's a dream and it's wonderful for people, I don't want to minimize how how hard it is and how much work you have to do to be trained. And it sounds like that was a very important part of what you did. So as people think about, they want to do it. They've got the ability to sort of connect with people. But that technical part has to be a lot of work. How do you train for that? And do you really have to do three hours a day for six months to learn it enough to be up there at that booth?
3: It really depends on you know, which system you're using. Like for me, it's a Tractor S8 um, with CDJs attached to it. And I love that system because there's just so many different filters you could use. It's just a lot of fun. But then there's other ones that are easier to learn. So I think it's it just depends on what style you want to play. But it definitely takes a lot of learning and understanding and knowing when to come in on the beat and... Also, just knowing how to feel the audience and, you know, what they're vibing to. So it definitely is like an art in itself. And I feel like some people, you just have it or you don't.
4: We usually do a section in each episode on lessons from childhood. But you've got a deep and dense story and well-documented, including your documentary, This is Paris. Uh, you've written about it in your your memoirs. So I'm not going to rehash that. I'm going to encourage people go read the book, go look at the documentary. But I do want to ask about the influences from childhood. As a business person and artist, what were those major influences in your childhood and your teenage years that are really with you today that were essential to you developing into this person?
3: Just with my grandfather and my father always really instilling that business work ethic in us. I feel that it's important My father told me that his dad told him that when you come from a family and you can give your children whatever they want, that will only destroy them. So it's important to really instill that at a young age. And I'm so grateful for that advice because I've seen so many of my friends who come from these wealthy families having no really sense of pride because they haven't ever worked for anything in their lives.
4: You started in L.A., wound up in New York City. Can you compare and contrast those cities? What influences from each shaped you?
3: Well, I love both because I was born in New York, and it's one of the greatest cities on the planet. I really just learned so much in New York, how the real world is, the business world. When I lived in Los Angeles, my, I just lived such a sheltered life as a little girl growing up. And then moving to New York, it was just this whole new world that opened up for me. And I love both cities so much. I love L.A. just because I love having my home here, my cars and being able to drive to the beach and just beautiful weather all the time. And I just, my pets are just everything is here. But then I also have my place in New York, which I love as well. Like during Fashion Week, it's so much fun. It's so exciting. There's so many things happening. But I just feel like L.A. is more laid back and... Relaxed, and I love my home here and the home that Carter and I are building together and our family. It's just, this is my home.
4: Let's talk about corporate culture. You've got this sprawling empire now. Most companies will say that the corporate culture is sort of their operating system, that that's what has to be right for everything else to work well. How do you think about your corporate culture? Uh, in your group, how do you build it and how do you define it?
3: For me, with 1111 Media, we are all like a family and I love having people that I can trust and support me and my vision and who have the same values as me. And our whole mission is also to uplift and empower others. And that's just with everything we do in all parts of our business. And I think that's an important thing when you have that foundation behind you.
4: So let's go jump to podcast. You've got a fantastic podcast here on iHeart. You've been doing it for two years. What do you think podcasts do that other forms don't do?
3: I just love how you can listen to a podcast while doing anything, whether you're driving to work or on a bike or just chilling at home. You don't have to watch it. You just listen. And I love with podcasts that I'm able to have my friends and people come over and have a safe space for them just to have real conversations. And it's just so different than any other medium. It's just great to be able to do it from home. And I love just, again, having my own platform to be able to amplify the voices of others and also get my messages out there. It's just been so much fun. And then also with Trapped in Treatment, which is another one of my podcasts, it's so important, just all of the advocacy work we're doing and changing laws so far in seven states and now taking it back to a federal level. And it's just amazing that we can have a platform for survivors to tell their stories of what they went through. I'm just really proud of that podcast.
4: You spend time as an advocate and an activist, What got you there? Was there a catalyst of one thing that said, wait a minute, this is part of who I am or this is a mission I really need to be a part of?
3: For me, it was really about turning my pain into a purpose and just seeing the power and impact of using my voice, um, especially when I went to Utah for the first time and helped pass SB 128, which is one of our bills. And then going to Washington, D.C. and passing bills in seven other states. And now we're going to be introducing our bill again in April. And um, it's just really incredible when you can use your voice to make a difference and make real change that can affect lives. And I've just met this incredible community of people and survivors who have been through certain experiences that I have as well. And that has just been So healing to me and just really powerful, just how much impact I've made just by telling my truth.
4: So you've got a new baby. You're recently married. How do you think about work-life balance, work-life integration? How do you handle it?
3: It's definitely a lot. Running my media company, writing my new album, constantly traveling for work, there's Um, so much happening. And being a mother is the most important thing to me. So I've really tried to have as much as possible be from home. So I'm able just to go in and out of his nursery all day. So I've built the podcasting studio here at the house, my recording studio, a photo studio. So I'm just trying to put as many things as possible at home. So I'm able to do that. But obviously for work, I have to travel for certain things. So it's really just about finding that balance and saying no to things. Unless something is really important or really moves the needle, I don't have time for it in my schedule.
4: So for someone who wants to achieve what you have, to be Paris Hilton, what's your advice?
3: My advice is that you have to work hard to believe in yourself, to surround yourself with good people who have good intentions, who wanna help support you in your dreams. You have to be a good person with a big heart and do whatever you believe in and have fun while doing it.
4: Let's talk about some advice for marketers today. They're all trying to use influencers to sell their products or services. How should they think about using the influencers?
3: It's definitely important to find influencers who really resonate with your brand and whatever audience that you're trying to attract. And coming up with a creative that doesn't seem like it's too like too much like an ad or too markety. We just did this TikTok that was a 10-minute TikTok with Hilton and it was the first time anyone had ever done anything like this and has like 40 million views. It was just amazing how we got all these amazing creators together and came up with this really fun concept that was entertaining and fun and so different than, you know, a normal commercial. So I think it's just about, again, thinking outside of the box and doing things that are different and fun and exciting. And that's why it's just so much fun with my media company that we are partnering with all these brands and helping them with creative and coming up with these really incredible concepts that will insert them into
4: pop culture. So if you could go back in time what advice would you give your 18-year-old self?
3: To not be so trusting of everyone and to have not let certain people into my life that I did. And my advice also would be that you're gonna go through some hard times in life, but one day you're gonna be the hero that you always needed when you were a little girl and you're gonna be so proud of yourself.
4: That's nice. So as we come to a close, we always end each episode with shout outs to the greats of what we call the math and magic of marketing and business. Who would be your shout outs for the math person and the magic person?
3: The math person would have to be my husband, Carter, because he is just so brilliant and I've learned so much from him and he's just lifts me up and inspires me and empowers me in ways that no man ever has. And he's just, he's just incredible with everything he does. And I'm so grateful to have him in my life. And for the creative person, I would
4: say me. Nice. What a nice way to end Paris. You've had an amazing life, certainly diverse experiences that have shaped and inspired today's marketing and, The best news is you're just getting started. Thanks for sharing your story, insights, and lessons with us today. Thank you. Here's a few things I picked up from my conversation with Paris. One, control your narrative. For much of her young adulthood, Paris's image was controlled by the tabloids. Taking control of the narrative let her rewrite that story, which led to a successful brand and business. Don't let anyone build your image for you. Construct a persona that's true to who you are and let that guide you in your endeavors. Two, practice makes perfect. To become a world-renowned DJ, Paris practiced for hours and hours, day after day. Achieving your dream might take a long time, but putting aside the time to improve your skills and inch towards your goal is the best investment you can make. Three, nothing gets handed to you. No one gets anywhere without a strong work ethic. Whether you come from a wealthy background like Paris or are just starting from nothing, drive and ambition are the most important qualities an entrepreneur can have. I'm Bob Pittman, thanks for listening.
1: That's it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to Math & Magic, a production of iHeartRadio. The show is hosted by Bob Pittman. Special thanks to Sydney Rosenblum for booking and wrangling our wonderful talent, which is no small feat. Our editor, Emily Marinoff. Our engineer, Jessica Kramchich. Our executive producers, Nikki Itor and Ali Perry. And of course, Gail, Raul, Eric, Angel, Noel, and everyone who helped bring this show to your ears. Until next time. From BBC Radio 4.